So, hey everyone, welcome back to the Solar Surge podcast. I'm really excited today. We are joined by special guest Mohammed Abdallah, CEO of Good Faith Energy in Dallas, Texas. And uh, I'm really excited to talk more uh, to Mo about his business. Uh, he's got one of the most successful solar installation companies in Texas. And uh, Mo, how long have you been doing this? Hey, Joe, thanks for having me on. It's great to be here. Good to see you again. I uh, feel like this is a rendezvous. We just did this a couple of months <laughs> ago, but uh, I've been in the solar industry since uh, 2014 when I launched Good Faith Energy. Um, I would say operationally, we've really only been around since 2016. Uh, it was one of my first couple of sales got installed. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it's been a roller coaster, as you can imagine. A uh, lot of fun, a uh, lot of scary moments, a lot of fun moments, but uh, that's what's made it uh, such a worthwhile journey. Absolutely. Well, you know, they, they call it the solar coaster, right? It's a never, yeah. never a, a dull, dull moment. So uh, for those that, that don't know you, though, can you give us a little bit of your background? Like what, what first, you know, inspired you? Why did you want to get into the solar industry? Sure, Joe. I started my career in the oil and gas industry coming out of college. I was an oil and gas landman. I was running around leasing land and mineral owners from land and mineral owners. I was really unsatisfied with my career a couple years in, decided to uh, pivot and uh, my first journey was uh, really on a, a train in Germany where I saw solar panels everywhere. And that's really what opened my eyes into uh, what my friend Nico Johnson likes to call uh, idea arbitrage, right? You see an idea while you're traveling, while you're out and about, uh, and you decide, man, that's that's a great idea. Why aren't they not, why are they not doing this more back home? Um, so I, I really came back inspired uh, thinking about how solar was really one of the only businesses out there that you could truly provide an impact on a triple bottom line. And I absolutely love the, the idea of being able to do something impactful like that for the rest of my, my life. Um, so I did a pilot project on my mom's house. I gathered together a little design and we installed uh, 17 panels. So I think very similar to <laughs> sort of your journey and your DIY journey. Mm -hmm. And um, really before that, even I tried to shop for solar from a couple of companies. I found that, um, you know, I was not really uh, enjoying what kind of customer service, uh, the customer service experience that I was getting and decided that, hey, I think it's probably worthwhile to start a solar company that's focused on customer service. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, so as, as a guy that started out in oil and gas, you know, you, I guess a lot of people might think, well, you know, if you're if you're for oil and gas, you got to be against solar. What, what was that like leaving that 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 energy world and coming into the renewable? Uh, great question. Renewable I think there's world. so there's so many oil and gas professionals that they don't even um, uh, they're not even aware that alternative energy like solar and batteries and, and wind is like exist. And there's like actually really good career opportunities inside of them. And I've, I've been a very pragmatic individual when it comes to like our energy mix, like we need hydrocarbons uh, as, as we stand today. Uh, but we also need to accelerate a transition to the technologies that you and I are putting out in the world every day. And um, I just knew that my skill set was better served in an industry that, you know, uh, 20, 30, 40 years from now, I'd be able to look back on and say, man, I had way bigger impact. Uh, I probably made better money in because it was a growth industry and I wasn't, you know, having the schizophrenic relationship of, you know, uh, oils on the rise, oils on the bust. It's just very volatile industry. And it's also so tied into all of these geopolitical factors that none of us have any control over. Um, obviously, solar is a little volatile in different ways, but I think that it's in this, um, you know, it's in this position where there's a huge, you know, we're in this hockey stick, we're in the huge growth industry. Um, and I wanted to be in an, in an industry that was growing, that was impactful, where I could create jobs for people um, and also go to sleep at night feeling like I've done something better in the world. Absolutely. Absolutely. No, you're right. And I'm, I'm glad that you raised that point too, because I mean, the, the problem with oil is that, is that nations fight over it yeah. right? and and uh and, and so it's, it's about power and, and control a lot of it and and unfortunately a lot of people suffer you know mm. during those conflicts so solar is one of those things that it's here for everybody right it kind of shines equally on the entire planet mm -hmm. and we can turn that into usable functional energy we talk about equity and in, in energy world you know and and this is the purest example of it solar should be uh, uh, you know available to all and, you know, even when you look at, you know, countries right now that are, 
have no power, um, you know, African nations, you know, Asian nations, other uh, areas around the world, they're going to leapfrog this centralized development, right? And they're going to go straight to, you know, little microgrids all over the place. And that's going to serve them so much better than our grid is serving us, in my opinion, long term. Yeah. I mean, you already see it in Africa with other things like like telecommunications. You know, I've got, I have a lot of family in West Africa. And when I go over there, one of the amazing things to see is they went from no telecommunications yeah. to everybody having high speed Internet and cell phones, yeah. you know, and almost just in a, in a period of maybe five to 10 years. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it's very interesting to see, I guess, a similar thing can happen with energy mm-hmm. and access to energy. Um, but now your business, let's talk about a little bit more. So you have a solar installation company, Good Faith Energy. You're headquartered in Dallas, Texas area. Correct. Um, uh, I guess, first of all, why, why Dallas? Why, why did you see yeah, that the best place for you? <laughs> <laughs> Dallas is definitely not the easiest place to start a solar energy company. Um, but I will say that, um, so it's, it's my hometown. I grew up in Plano. Um, I moved back to Plano after my uh, short career in, in oil and gas. Um, I have a super supportive family and uh, they really encouraged me to uh, build and embrace my entrepreneurial nature. I've always been super entrepreneurial. Um, But um, Dallas really was the home because I thought to myself, listen, if I can make a solar company work in Dallas, Texas, I could probably make it work anywhere in the country. Um, It's a, um, you know, very low cost of power state. Right. At the time I started solar, you know, I was people are paying seven, eight cents a kilowatt hour. Um, People are not necessarily, you know, green leaning or thinking about the environment in Texas. Uh, It's been predominantly, you know, dominated by oil and gas, uh, the oil and gas industry and professionals in general. So I thought to myself, you know, if I can make this work here, it, it can work anywhere. And we we just built the company super organically, one project at a time, one happy customer at a time. Uh, truly an, an incredible success story in, in, in my own world. Um, I, I sit down sometimes and reflect on just being that young entrepreneur at 24, 25, you know, wanting to sell one solar system to a customer. And now looking back, you know, we have a fleet of over 1500 solar systems, you know, over a thousand batteries that we've installed as a, as a company. And we're really just doing it in a small pocket in, in North Texas, mainly. Uh, we have done some jobs, you know, throughout central South Texas. Um, but the majority of, you know, 90% of our work is in North Texas. And we wanted to, to model after a company uh, in California, actually, that was just hyper localized and did a really good job and had an amazing, you know, reputation within its community and was giving back to its community a lot. And that's how they built such a sustainable business. And I feel like that, you know, that we're on, we're on the same course. Yeah. Well, let, let's talk more about that because as, as you know, you know, a lot of companies, they get into solar, they think it's a, it's a gold rush. They think there's so much money and profit to be made. And, you know, unfortunately the failure rate for solar contractors is very, very high. And there's a number of reasons that they fail. What do you think are some of the keys to success? Now you mentioned kind of starting locally and focusing on that first before you focus on growth and expansion, but what are some of the other things that you think have been keys to having a successful solar contracting business? Oh man, this is a deep one, Joe. Uh, there's so many things, you know, one, I think you, you know, you, you have to have a vision that's very clear and you have to stay, you know, true to that vision. You can't drift, you know, every other day, you know, get sidetracked, get, um, you know, distracted by all of the noise that's just getting thrown at you. Another thing is, is culture having a, you know, you know, great culture with strong core values, um, that trickle down into the people that you end up recruiting and hiring. Um, a lot of people talk about culture. Culture, but you know, if you if you walk into an organization, you're going to sense whether they have, you know, an approachable work culture, a safe work culture, where you feel like people are truly a work family. Um, and so, I think that uh, that's been a key part for growing the business, because as you know, finding people that have experience and are 
professional and, you know, to the standards that you and I are seeking is very difficult to find in, um, I would say any industry, but even more so this one, cause it's less mature. Uh, and so uh, having good people helps you become a successful organization, continuing to look for good people. Um, I also think, you know, just the doubling down on customer experience, you know, it, all the decisions we made, you know, uh, include, you know, questioning ourselves around like, is this in the best interest of our client base? You know, is this in the best interest of our employees? Right. And so many business owners are, like you said, it's a gold rush. They're out there to stuff their pockets fat with as much profits as possible while providing the least amount of service they can and providing the lowest quality components to, to people. And that's why they don't stay in business. It's not a sustainable business model. You know, eventually, um, you know, gambler loses all his money. You know what I mean? Eventually, drug dealer loses all his money. And, and, and this is no different when you jump into an industry just to make a quick buck, it's you're going to make it fast and you're going to lose it even faster. And so people like you and I that take our time, build our business one project at a time, one review at a time, one good vendor partnership at a time, one good, you know, strategic relationship. It eventually, you know, it just builds and you build off that organic momentum. And then at some point you wake up and you've got you know, we have three, four hundred five star reviews online and accreditations nationally. And and then you have, you know, partners that are actually out there providing that social proof for you. And, you know, Tesla's of the world saying GFE is awesome, you know. And and so I think that having um, a really strong organic growth strategy is so important versus just throwing a bunch of money at something and hoping to get rich overnight. And then next thing you know, you have a couple thousand systems that you have to service and you had never planned for it and you don't have a warranty reserve fund and you don't have service technicians and then you go out of business. <laughs> right, right. And we laugh about it, but it happens all the time. It yeah. happens all the time. And I, I mean, I had some experience with this even in my own business, but, but you know, you, 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 you short-term thinking, short-term decision-making leads to failure over the long-term. Mm -hmm. And um, I mean, we could probably talk about a number of different areas. I'll also, that, just to, sorry to cut you off, one, one other thing is like you have to be comfortable with getting uncomfortable to be successful because you know um i was always you know super frugal and like can i spend money on this can i spend money on that and then at some point in time you know my my business mindset matured to where i said if my business needs it i'm gonna double down i'm gonna invest in it and even if you know i just i didn't think can i afford it at that i was just like if the business cannot survive without it or it can be thoroughly improved by it today, then I'm willing to take the sacrifice, the risk and go ahead and do it. And I mean, typically it's a little bit, you know, uh, I would say you're a little nervous in the beginning and you're a little anxious and then eventually it just works itself out, you know, and, and I'll tell people all the time, you have to have faith. You know, my company's name is Good Faith Energy. It's been built off of faith, like just having the faith that if we do the right things and put the right energy forward and, you know, treat people in the right way, then the universe full circle, it's just going to continue to come back and reward us for it. Yeah, you reap what you sow. I mean, it's, it might sound cliche. We say this, you know, treat people well. Yeah. You know, you reap what you sow, you know, do try to do the right thing. Mm. I mean, this is what works, though, over the long term. And it sounds like, mm. uh, you know, your 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 business and your personal success is, is evidence of that. So absolutely, Joe, it's the simple things, you know, people are always looking for the complicated ways to why yeah, like, there's no trick. It's no <laughs> there's no trick. I mean, I talk to so many of my mentors and I'd ask them things like, hey, can you tell me the secret sauce like of your marketing strategy? And they'd be like referrals. Do a good job. That's my marketing strategy. Mm. I'm like, well, what else? What do you put money in referrals? If you do a great job, then people will keep coming back to you. And like, obviously, it's not that simple. You have to do some social media and pay-per-click and so, but how many installers, for example, when they're writing out their marketing plan for, you know, 2023, wrote out, what's my customer referral strategy and actually flushed out a full strategy to like get more referrals, because that's probably where the majority of their closed deals are coming from. Mm. And we have done that. And then we we actually hired a person that is responsible for rolling out that customer referral strategy. And what does he do? He just goes around and trains our customers on how to use their systems. 
That's right? great. And it's so simple, right? Mm-hmm. But who, who else is doing it? Like, yeah, no, few. you're right. Simple things, right? Just education. And that's a big thing we you know here at Solar Surge, where we're mm-hmm. just big on education, education. Because if you educate somebody, you empower them, mm-hmm. then chances are they're going to want to do business or do business with you again. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember I read a book a few years ago called The Referral Engine, you know, how to te- yep. teaching your business, how to, how to market itself. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that the author mentioned was that if you're not getting referrals now, at least a few, then there's probably something very wrong with your business, right? Absolutely. People don't want to deal with you again once they've had, had mm-hmm. some experience with you. And so. what a shame, right? Because you spend all that money and time and effort into originating the lead and then selling it and then servicing it. And then they're not going to refer you like you just lost a whole vertical, right, of, you know, re- a revenue stream from that person for the next, in our business, 25 years, that could have been referring you. you yeah. Know? Yeah. So, yeah. well, let's, let's take it right from the top. So, you know, most, most homeowners experience with solar starts with the sales or the marketing process, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe they saw an ad or they saw a piece of social media and mm-hmm. they reached out to a solar company and they, and they, 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 they talked to a solar sales professional. So what are you doing differently at better earth? Or maybe just how, how do you do things at better earth when that lead first comes in or that homeowner first raises their hand and says, Hey, I want to talk to you about solar. Mm-hmm. How do you, how do you work that process? Yeah, great. So, um, with good faith energy, the first thing we do is we, we get a phone call or we get some sort of inbound lead. So we don't do any cold calling. We don't do any door knocking. It's all digital, very similar to you. Um, once it comes in, we have a conversation with the client. It's very much structured in order to ensure that we can help them achieve their goals. Um, so as you know, Mark Cuban and Zig Ziglar and everyone sales is not about convincing. It's about helping. Right. And if you have a problem, I got a solution. Let me see if I can show you how we're going to bridge that gap. So, um, what we do once the customer kind of, we've made sure that there's a fit, we will make, we will schedule a site survey. So we're not going to start, you know, making any crazy, you know, uh, designs or proposals. What we want to do is start with a drone survey where a licensed drone pilot, part 107 pilot uh, goes out to your home. They fly a drone. They go into your house. They take pictures of all the nameplate ratings on your appliances. They go into your attic. They take pictures of the attic. They come back into the office. The next morning, all that information gets uploaded to one of our engineers that works for us internally. The engineer process this, uh, processes the Scanafly, uh, does the load co- calculation, uh, makes sure that everything is, uh, you know, uh, does all the due diligence around the city and fire code, electrical uh, codes for that jurisdiction that the client's in, then presents that solution back to the account manager to present to the client. Um, at that point, there's no more guesswork. So as you know, 99% of our industry is guessing at the sales table. Oh, I think I can fit 50 panels on your roof. Oh, I think 30 of them will go on the, the south and 10 on the east and 10 on the west. Oh, I think it'll generate you know 20,000 kilowatt hours a year. Oh, I think it'll save you uh, these $3,000 a year, right? Well, you know, there, it's all a guess because you haven't done the survey correctly and it all starts at the survey. So you do the survey wrong, all of a sudden you sold something, then six weeks in, everything's changing. Ah, we can't fit panels here because the city's rejecting it. It's, you know, panels can't be hanging over the ridge, you know? Um, You know, setbacks from hips and valleys are 18 inches. It looks like you have six panels inside the, the, you know, setbacks. So we got to switch that. Oh, we are actually following following 2021 code, electric code. So, um, you know, everything's based on minimum impacity and uh, not not based on minimum impacity. It's based on a load calc. So two batteries can't back up the whole home. And then you're just working backwards and or the customers backed into a corner and now the production's different, the savings are different, everything's different. So you basically, if you set yourself up for success with a good survey and a clean sale, then you're going to have that customer ready to refer you on the back end. Even if there's hiccups along the way, which there's always are, right? There always is hiccups um, on the back end if, you know, the survey was done right and they got what they bought, they're going to be happy. So um, I think that's really what differentiates us the most is we've used technology. Like we, we looked at other installers that are surveying up front, but they're still up there with pen and paper. You know, it's, 
it's okay. But for me, that's not safe because in Texas, we have 18 roof planes that are 10, 12 pitches, right? I don't want my guy up there for three hours, you know, anchoring in and why? Just fly the drone, right? Get your part 107 first, fly the drone, uh, do the load calc, bring that into engineering. Engineering gets it done in two days. You know, the account managers can now there's no guesswork. And then guess what happens? Well, this, the customer tells them, well, you know, Mo, um, how come you're telling me 40 panels is an 80% offset generating mm -hmm. 20,000 and company XYZ is telling me 33 panels is going to do 90% offset. And, or another example to say, why does the other company say they can fit 50 panels on my roof and not 40, you know, and they're at hundred percent offset and you're only at 80. Mm -hmm. Well, cause <laughs> <laughs> they didn't come out to your house. They didn't fly a drone. They didn't take 150 high resolution drone images of your roof. They can't see the obstructions from their satellite imagery. They have panels hanging over your ridge and your hips and valleys, which is going to get rejected by the city on the back end. Everything that they're doing is against code. So yeah, if you want the guaranteed price that you're getting, go for it. But you're not getting any other guarantee with your system, right? I mean, and I think that's the um, that's the biggest challenge, you know, with trying to explain a value proposition to a homeowner that doesn't value, um, you know, good service. They they've never been burned by a bad contractor. They've never maybe they're in a new home. They've never really dealt with a home, you know, remodeling service contractor, and they just don't understand that you can do it nice or you can do it twice. <laughs> right, <laughs> right, right. I mean, I, I I say this all the time, you know, guys. This is not. This is not, if, if we're talking about solar or solar and battery storage, this is not one of those deals where you want to like find the cheapest guy in town. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, yeah, and I know that many unsophisticated buyers, they, that's the first thing they gravitate to is what's the cheapest price bid, mm -hmm. right? Because solar is very competitive, right? It mm -hmm. doesn't, doesn't take very much work to get two or three or five different quotes. Some mm -hmm. websites you go to, they're going to give you eight, eight different mm -hmm. companies, your information. You might get right. all these quotes. Miserable experience, by the way. Like yeah. if I'm buying anything, I'm getting three quotes typically. Yeah. And before I call those three people, I know that they're vetted and they're qualified and, but you have solar customers going out, getting a dozen quotes, seven of them are companies that popped up yesterday. Yeah. Now I know I'm going to offend some people out here, <laughs> but when you focus in on price as your primary issue, that to me is the sign of an unsophisticated buyer because what happens is they get bombarded with too much information. They don't know how to make sense of it. Mm. So they focus on the one thing that they understand. Oh, dollars or dollars mm. per watt. I can mm. understand that. Let me just go and shop on that. Mm -hmm. You know, the problem is at the end of the day, you're talking about a complex system. It's a building project. It's an electrical project. You mm -hmm. need generally you need permits on both sides, building and electrical. You've got static load calculations to do, wind load ratings to do, electrical load calculations to do. Mm -hmm. You have to properly match the solar equipment with what the home's demands are, with mm -hmm. what the electrical consumption is. And so I guess really at the end of the day, you know, if you're a homeowner out there, you got to ask yourself, who do I really trust to get this right? Mm -hmm. Right. Who do I really trust? And oftentimes the guy who's highest on the trust scale is not going to be the lowest on the price scale. Absolutely not. And I would almost argue that it will never be that guy. The highest trusted guy will never be the lowest price because they understand their value and they understand that they have a skill set and a, 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 you know, a knowledge base that can help the masses. You and I, we have experiences and skills and achievements and awards. But aside from that, the knowledge that we've built from doing everything from just being the ground guy, you know, to actually installing on the roof, to engineering the system, marketing and selling it, you know, uh, from the very beginning, servicing it on the back end, we've done everything. And then we know what areas uh, people take shortcuts in, what, what corners they cut. And then we try to explain to a homeowner. And like you said, when um, all they're focused on is price, they are very unsophisticated because everything else has become too, it's too much information for them to, to, to you know, uh, panel, temperature coefficient, degradation rate, uh, inverter, what's the clipping, what's the, you know? <laughs> right, so right. it's just, it's just, you know, maybe at some point, let me just figure out how I can get this thing done for the cheapest price. And that's where a lot of people go wrong and they end up with extremely bad experiences with solar. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. No, I hear it all the time. Now I know the solar surge audience is 
going to be much better educated than of most course. homeowners out there that are in solar. So, you know, no offense intended, guys. But if you're shopping on price, stop. Start at least get a couple of other things, you know, into the into the discussion, you know, whether it's just customer service or just the feeling that you get when you talk to the representative. Does mm -hmm. this guy really sound like he knows what he's talking about? Mm -hmm. Or does he sound like he's just kind of reading off the script? Mm -hmm. You know, because that's the other thing is, you know, with our industry, there are so many uneducated or, or I say miseducated salespeople have gotten into our industry mm -hmm. again with this kind of this gold rush mentality mm -hmm. and many of them don't really understand the product or the service that they're offering they're just kind of you know doing what the sales manager told them saying what mm -hmm. the sales manager told them to say mm -hmm. but if you really press them on it, it's like they don't really understand what they're what yeah. they're offering no it's a script um you know I, I use this joke all the time at the at the table and I tell tell my customers what's the difference between a solar salesman and a used car salesman <laughs> And they'll ask me what? And I'll say, well, the used car salesman knows he's lying to you, right? <laughs> so the solar guy is telling you, you're going to save 100% on your bill and you're going to get a check back in the mail from the government, you know, for your taxes. And next thing you know, you know, he hasn't checked the net metering policy, doesn't know that you're getting credited at a wholesale rate, not a retail rate. Maybe the true up period is monthly. You can't roll credits over. Uh, maybe you're living on Social Security or you just have such low income that you don't qualify for the federal tax credit. Um, there's there's uh, so many areas that you can go wrong. Uh, I even you know, I, I blast out emails to people saying, hey, want to set up a time to uh, talk about net metering? guess what? A lot of those conversations turn into sales calls, right? But if I can just re-engage someone with a talking point that has a lot of confusion around and then break it down to them in a super simple way, like, oh, I, I understand what net metering is now and how it impacts me and uh, what plan I should probably go with if I do end up going solar uh, and how maybe not having a battery, what kind of implications there are for not having a battery, um, both if the power goes out and the, net, the the rate design changes, right? So um, you have to lead with education. And matter of fact, if you don't, you're gonna lose that trust, um, you know, and that person's gonna go to someone else that gives them an answer that they feel comfortable, you know, and it's not just some, you know, scripted robotic answer. So I, I, I think that, um, you know, people like you and I leading with education, um, explaining to people the important nuances that are kind of hard to understand in solar. That's what we need more of in this industry. Um, and I also think eventually the industry will become more regulated, um, you know, because right now there's just too many people getting away with 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 what I would call, you know, crimes. <laughs> yeah. Well, in some cases, yeah. it, literally crimes. I was just meeting mm -hmm. with a representative this morning from Solar Insure, and so what you know what they do is they they sell like a, a secondary warranty on the solar. So in case the installer goes out of business, they mm -hmm. kind of come in and back up the system. Mm -hmm. And uh, what he was telling me was that you know there are people out there selling his product. Mm -hmm. Basically, they're they're printing up fake certificates, fake warranty oh certificates, my God. and then selling that with their solar system without ever registering the warranty with the company. Yikes! And that's just a small example of the kind of scams and different mm -hmm. things. So it's mm -hmm. it's unfortunate, and a lot of people do probably associate well solar salespeople though those are their scammers they're mm -hmm. just ripping you off and all this and unfortunately there's there's some good reasons why you know the industry has that reputation mm -hmm. but one of the things that i'm observing is that the, the economic conditions and the the financial justification around purchasing a solar system is getting much much more difficult mm -hmm. right you've got interest rates that are rising now mm -hmm. um, credit defaults are up so there less borrowers are going to be able or, or marginal borrowers are maybe not going to be able to qualify for the same loan programs that we had just a year ago mm -hmm. And so I think one thing that the audience would really benefit from hearing is you mentioned earlier, when you got started in solar, Texas had ch super cheap power, right? Mm -hmm. Eight cents kilowatt hour, 10 cents kilowatt hour. Mm -hmm. And so what you had to do during the sales and the education process, right? You must have had to discuss something besides just net metering, bill savings, and, mm -hmm. and sticking it to the power company. There must have been something more that you were able to, to offer or to convey to the homeowner. Mm -hmm. And now, if you're a solar sales professional in California, you better listen up because mm -hmm. this whole idea of, of selling how much money you're going to save by just switching to solar with 100% mm -hmm. financing, mm -hmm. you know, all that is kind of out the window now. 
You know, now you got costs mm-hmm. coming up. You got to have battery storage in a lot of cases to get a full offset. So what would you say to a sales professional who, who maybe was trained under one of those systems where it was like, oh, yeah, just sell them on the chart, sell them on. Mm-hmm. They have to stick it to the power company. What would you say to that person? Maybe yeah. give them some advice. Um, you know, I think first and foremost, uh, as a sales professional, your job is to understand how to build as much value with whoever you're you know, trying to do a transaction with, um, whether they see the value in your education, in your knowledge, in your relatability, in your likability, uh, in the company that you're working for, and the warranties that you offer, and the services that you have, and the products that you can give. You have to build as much value as possible um, with that homeowner so that they you know, want to proceed with any form of transaction. Well, it's not just about building value, it's also about making sure that whatever solution solution or whatever your offer is, it's actually solving a real need, a real problem for them. And if you're someone in, you know, a solar sales rep in California, you know, selling someone a solar system now is not necessarily solving a problem of high electric bills because um, you and I both know that, you know, with this you know, traditional bell curve of solar, you're going to be generating uh, a lot of power in the middle of the day and usually sending that power back to the grid. And now in California, you're getting credited seven or eight cents a kilowatt hour for that, um, you know, kilowatt hour. And then you're getting charged when you import it back 35 to 40 cents. Um, and there's this, you know, energy arbitrage opportunity where you have to install a battery system and cycle that battery as much as possible in order to now maximize the value of that electron. And um, the battery has historically served a, um, you know, the purpose of peace of mind and energy independence and, you know, comfort and security. You know, now it's providing a level of savings that, you know, allows you to capture back uh, 75% of the value of that electron that would have been lost if it went to the grid. Um, so I think number one, uh, the value prop in Texas, at least, um, I can't speak nationwide is, um, this idea of ownership, like, you know, like you can continue to invest in the grid if you want, but Mr. Homeowner, you and I both know the grid is aging and it's getting less reliable and they're taxing us on it every year. You're paying more and more for it. So yeah, if you want, you can keep continuing to invest in the grid. No big deal. But what I'm suggesting is that you go ahead and invest in your home because you're going to spend that money regardless. Why not invest it in your own home versus in the grid that's failing and getting less and less reliable and getting more and more costly to maintain? Mm -hmm. And for any, you know, I would say educated homeowner and sophisticated homeowner that is looking at the macro economy, the micro level economics and looking, wow, utility rates based on the consumer price index went up five to 15%, you know, across the board, you know, nationally, there's no question that, um, solar makes sense and battery makes sense on so many different levels, starting with gaining ownership. Let's get some ownership instead of investing that in the grid. Let's gain some equity in this, right? That's essentially what you're gaining. Mm-hmm. Um, number two, let's lock in our rates. I know that if I do this now, I've locked in 20,000 kilowatt hours or 15,000 kilowatt hours a year at this price, right? It's never going to go up for at least the next 25 years or when I move, you know, even, even after 25 years, like it's going to keep, you know, producing, pumping out power. Um, number three, how can I uh, take advantage of some of the tax credits and the incentives that are available to me to make sure that I get the best, you know, return on investment? Because yeah, it's important. Like I'm an investor too, right? And I get it. But I didn't go into solar with unrealistic expectations like certain homeowners. You know, they look at it and at the end they're like, ah, you know what? I'll just put my money over here. It's going to make me 12%. Why would I ever put it here? It's like, Bro, because it's called diversification, right? (laughs) And just like you're a good investor, you're going to put some money maybe in an annuity fund, maybe a little bit in your savings, maybe a little bit into stocks and bonds, a a little bit into mutual funds. When you put solar money into your solar system, you're getting a steady 6 to 8% return on your money, your IRR, year over year. And that number usually only goes up because utility rates uh, are going to inflate higher than, you know, the cost of um, 
it's just going to, it's just going to inflate higher uh, or go faster. So it just doesn't make sense when people, um, you know, start saying things like, well, solar doesn't make sense. The payback's too long. No, if you understood that it's a six to 8% return on your money, it's a low risk, long-term investment, you know, why not? It's another diversification. It's going to be the quietest tenant that ever sat on your roof. <laughs> never going to bark, <clears throat> never going to ask for you to come fix it, you know, yeah. maybe once every 10 years, but <laughs> yeah, no, no, it makes sense. I mean, it, it makes a lot of sense. And a lot, you know, one, one analogy that sometimes I hear is, you know, renting a house versus buying a house, right. Mm -hmm. You know, most people see the value in buying a house, even mm -hmm. though that, that requires you to take out a mortgage, mm -hmm. even though the house might need some maintenance over the even time. Though the mortgage it. may cost more than the rent in the first year or two. Right. Right. But you're gaining equity. You're gaining equity. You're gaining mm -hmm. control. And I think overall, it just puts you in a better situation. And I, mm -hmm. I, I look at that is what solar with storage does for your energy situation is mm -hmm. you have the means of, of, of providing for your own needs, mm -hmm. right? And now you're not so dependent and so needy on the power company that you're just willing to take whatever they give you, mm -hmm. right? Because you have no fallback position, right? It's just whatever they give you, that's what you, you take or they shut the lights off. Correct. And so, you know, having solar and storage, in my view, gives you some more dignity and some more self-sufficiency over that, that, mm. which is a big part of your life, which is your energy, mm -hmm. you know, your energy needs. So Joe in Texas, you know, the public utilities commission, uh, they just, you know, agreed to, to pass legislation, what they call a performance credit mechanism. Basically they, it's, uh, it's a mechanism to incentivize uh, generation companies, generators to invest in emergency, you know, fossil fuel generation assets. And, um, it's so ridiculous. I mean, a, it, was, it wasn't built on any data, any analysis. It was just like in a, a subjective kind of lobbyist style approach of like, oh, the winter storm URI was all because of failing solar and wind assets. Um, so let's put in some money so that fossil fuel generation assets can be ready to assist. So they're predicting that this incentive, this mechanism will cost retail energy providers in Texas $6 billion a year. And who's gonna pay for that, Joe? The ratepayers, they always do. <laughs> they always do, right? So guess what, Mr. Homeowner, you can continue to invest in this grid with fossil fuel assets that sit underground, maybe turn on once a year, and then that guy gets rich and you pay for it. Or you can get your own solar and battery system and be in full control of your future. What sounds better for you? And for me, I haven't tried to hard sell or convince someone that's not convinced to go solar. It's like, listen, you're either I'm here to educate you. I'm here to present to you the facts, right? I'm not here to tell you this is the best investment in the world, right? I'm here to tell you it's probably a better investment than the Lamborghini sitting in your driveway or the $30,000 chandelier sitting in your living room, right? Because those things will never pay for themselves, but this actually will. But people have gotten so programmed and wired to think solar panels, what's the ROI? Well, come on, guys, there is an ROI, you know, first of all, plus look at all of the other benefits that it provides, aside even from the environmental ones, right? Just look at how much you're gaining equity in new asset. You're getting this tax credit. You're getting an appraised report that tells you what the value of your system is if you ever sell it on the back end, that we provide that for customers. You know, you're, you're getting, um, you're locking in this rate for the next 25 years. You're never worried about the, oh, by the way, it's, it's going up, you know, 17 cents next year, right? Your next renewal. Oh, it's 21 now. Mm -hmm. Come on, guys. Yeah, you Stop have no fooling control. yourselves. You have no control. You think cost of power is going to go down? What world do you live in, you know? Mm -hmm. So, so Mo, you touched on a couple of things that I want to ask you some more about because I think you've got some unique experience here too. And you talked about, you know, sort of your high-end homeowner. They might have a very expensive car, mm -hmm. expensive, you know, fixings in their homes and things. And so... Uh, again, guys, if, if you're a solar sales professional out there and you're used to just selling solar on the savings, maybe to a, a, a low to medium income buyer that you're using kind of this, these high pressure tactics to get them to sign up. I think that's going away. I mm -hmm. think that's going away. I agree. But Mo, you do a lot of, I guess what I would call high end projects, right? I mean, you're doing a lot of Tesla roof installs as well, right? Which I know the price tag on that is significantly higher than just traditional solar panels. Mm -hmm. So, so tell me about what is the sales experience like for a, a, a higher end product or a higher ticket price product like mm -hmm. the, the Tesla solar roof? 
Yeah, that's a that's a great question. Um, hmm. So uh, there's a couple of things that I'll start out with, you know, because there's uh, we put out a lot of solar roof content out there and a lot of people open up with like, oh, my God, why would you ever invest in this? It's never going to pay for itself. OK, so first of all, solar roof should initially be viewed as a roofing system and then a solar system. So how how much, you know, you know, how many years did it take for your asphalt shingle roof to pay itself off? Right. Never. Right. It just sits there. So the idea is a lot of times these people that are buying a solar roof, they need a they need a roof. Right. So they're making a decision they're, They have this critical decision, critical juncture where what do we choose? Do we go with a, you know, just a, a, a traditional asphalt shingle roof like most of the homes in Texas? Do we go with maybe a luxury style roof like clay tile, Spanish tile, concrete tile? Um, or do we go with a solar roof or something of the likes? And um what we find is uh, most uh, folks are not willing to invest in something that costs more than 10% of their home value. Okay. So that's one of the big lessons I've learned is like, let's say it's a million dollar home and I'm trying to sell them a $200,000 solar roof. It's probably not going to happen, right? Because even after the tax credit, it's like maybe sitting at 14, 15% of their home value. But if they have a $5 million home and they invest in a half a million dollar solar roof, then at that point, it doesn't really seem all that bad because A, they're seeing some scarcity value and some ex equity value and being like 0.00001% of the world that's got a solar roof. And if there's two $7 million homes getting sold and one's got a solar roof and one doesn't, and one's got 10 power walls and the other doesn't, I'm thinking the one that's got the solar technology on, it's going to get sold quicker, mm -hmm. right? Sure. So um, the sales process is long with the higher end homeowners, right? That's hard typically to um, get attention, get their attention, then, you know, get, you know, uh, nail them down for a time, right? To get with them and mm -hmm. go over everything. Uh, then to, you know, work through the negotiations, right? Whatever negotiating, you know, provisions they want changed or modified. Um, then also making extremely sure that all the expectations are set very clear for them. Um, because, you know, higher risk, higher reward or higher reward and high risk, however you want to put it. They have um, lawyers is uh, what you're saying. Yeah. I mean, the, the, they have a lot of lawyers typically. Um, and then on the back end, it's a challenge, you know, to continue to satisfy their expectations. You know, um, we've, I, I would say we do a great job because we're very patient. I also have a customer service ethos that says, you know, the worse you treat me, the better I'm going to treat you back. And the reason why is because I believe the, the universe is full circle. So if you treat me like crap and I come back and say, you know what, no problem. I'll take care of it. Whatever you need me to do. If you think that I chewed through the wire, I'll go ahead and fix it. No big deal. Um, and I know that, um, you know, a week later, you're going to probably have a hailstorm and need a full re-roof and need all your solar panels detached and reinstalled. And I'm going to be the one back out there doing it. And so I've always kind of kept the mindset that like someone that's upset, like let's fix it. If there's a way to fix it, some people you can't satisfy, right? Yeah. But the majority of people I'd like to think you can, and they just want to be heard usually like, this is what happened to me, you know? And I'm like, I'm sorry, let me make it up to you. Does this or this work? You give them choices. Well, actually I was thinking that, okay, well, you know what? You get it, right? I've had homeowners ask for 10% back on their project on a $100,000 deal, you know? And we've been like, oh, 10 grand, here you go. Why? Because it's not worth it. What, what's what's going to end up happening is I'm going to sit there and argue back and forth and me and my master electrician are going to have six meetings about this one customer. We've already burned 10 grand, right? Right, right. So... Um, yeah, those are uh, very important, uh, you know, for those bigger clients, you know, making sure that uh, and it's not just your big clients to all of them, 
anyone you decide to take on as a client, you got to treat with respect uh, and you got to go above and beyond and make sure they're satisfied with you when your work is done. Um, but with the bigger projects, it just it, it's a lot more challenging typically to appease those folks and, and keep them happy throughout the course of the journey. And granted, it's also because typically those uh, project delivery cycles are a lot longer right? There's a lot, very complex, 50 KW, eight power walls, three spans, you know, right, right. Um, there's a lot going on there. And, and a lot of our jobs are monstrous electrical jobs, but I think it's, it all, all business comes down to is clear communication, good expectation setting. So if I tell you before the sale, Hey, listen, Mr. Homeowner, I just, I'm going to build a microgrid for you. I'm going to develop one. And after it's installed, Typically, there's a 30 to 45 days worth of commissioning and debugging, and you're going to be annoyed with us just a little bit, maybe a little bit frustrated, but that's normal. Why? Because I just put a power plant on your home and not just one that just shoots everything back to the grid, not a dumb one, right? One that can intelligently manage everything going on the way you want it. But that's going to come with a little bit of debugging and commissioning. And usually people are willing to accept that on the back end, right? If you've told them up front versus on the back, oh, I bought this $100,000 and it doesn't even, no, sir, this is, this is normal, right? Mm-hmm. Yep, yeah, yeah. So maybe sometimes, you know, a hard conversation on the front end saves you a lot more conflict. and. I love the those, the way you phrase it. I have a lot of hard conversations with homeowners on the front end. They don't even ask for the hard conversations and I give them to them. Why? So that they don't, why didn't you tell me this, Mo? How come, I don't want those. I want to sleep good at night and I want to know that, you know, I don't have someone that's chasing after me because they think I lied to them or that I, no, I'd rather you walk away from the sale than to land a bad sale. That's just going to ruin my life. You know, I hear you, man. I hear you. And this, this is great. Again, you know, if you're a sales professional out there, I hope you're listening to this because, you know, again, some of these old and cheap, outdated tactics, high pressure tactics, a lot of that Mm -hmm. stuff's going away. That's not going to cut it anymore. You know, these are, you know, tried and true business principles. It's not a good rich quick. This is, you know, for the long haul, this is a marathon. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's, I'm, I'm really proud of the work that you've done and what you've achieved you. with your company. So tell us, because I know we're, we're kind of running out of time here a little bit, but what's next for Good Faith Energy? Where do you want to go from here? Oh, man, that's a fantastic question. I think we've done a great job, um, you know, with being becoming a household name in DFW. We're definitely not one yet, but we're, we're fighting every day. Um, we want to expand into Austin. Um, I think we have uh, plans to do that later this year. Uh, I think that uh, the industry is sort of consolidating, Joe. Uh, there's a lot of um, M&A activity. There's a lot of, uh, I think, just it's, 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 it's going to be interesting how the landscape shapes out in the next, I would say, five years. Because, um, you know, you have your national players like Sunrun and Tesla and, and Sonovas. And then I think you have a lot of the, the kind of midsize regional players um, and some of the kind of smaller um, middle markets businesses, I would say, like mine. Uh, but there's, there's, there's a ton of M&A activity. I think that those roll-ups will um, eventually lead into people with better um, uh, negotiating power for product. It's going to solve the finance crisis that we're in, you know, solar loans. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm really excited about what the future has has in store for companies like mine and others that are either going to continue to operate independently or get sw- swallowed up by some of these M&As with strategic partnerships uh, that make sense for their customer base, for their employee base, right? Um, I think that uh, what GFE has in store is really continued growth. Like we've we've seen 30 to 40 percent growth year over year over the last couple of years. Uh, We've continued to hit hit, um, you know, our growth targets. But more importantly, we've maintained a five star rating, you know, maybe four point nine now. But, um, you know, we have we've been in business for 10 years and, and, and we just want to continue to provide, you know, an unparalleled, unmatched, you know, type of. Uh, service for homeowners. And I, I think, um, you know, we we just moved into a new headquarters, much bigger facility. So excited about that for the year. I think solar roof, uh, uh, the year of the boom is going to happen this year. The last couple of years have just been us trying to figure it out and get, you know, our feet wet, but we have about 40 projects under our belt now. So we're super excited about, um, you know, making, making it uh, really work out and growing that roofing division this year. 
Uh, I'm excited about uh, the attachment rates for storage. Um, there's a lot of uh, interest, I would say, by developers in Texas uh, in getting um, solar and batteries spec'd for every home going in. So, I mean, just before this phone call, I had a call with, you know, <clears throat> a, a, this developer group and um, actually an integrator that, you know, we're meeting for maybe the third or fourth time to figure out how to get, you know, solar on every home in a 6,000 home development in North Texas. And I think that those conversations are going to happen more and more. And it's because the economy has shifted. Builders have to find a way to make money and less people in the market may be buying homes. Rates are high right? It's forcing their hand finally, and it's working in our favor. People that like you and I that have, you know, have the social proof, have a following, have the, you know, the people trust us, right? And um, now people are coming to us saying, hey, I, I need to figure out how to squeeze this whole solar thing. I don't understand anything. Everyone I talk to is all over the place, right? Like, I mean, yep, yep. so it's hard to get a good resource and a good source of, of information from someone and, and you and I, you know, we've, we've touched almost every aspect of the industry, you know, for, uh, as far as at least on a residential scale, mm -hmm. you know, um, air, I mean, load management, solar battery, that's another thing I tell, you know, you so you know, solar sales reps in California, right. Uh, or wherever, like if you're not, if you're not educated on batteries, if you're not educated on load management systems, then you're leaving so much opportunity, you know, wasting so much opportunity and you're losing it because I mean, every one of our jobs effectively has a battery and a, and a span or some sort of load management tied to it. So, um, it's better. I, I have a review, Joe, that I, I would love to read to you after this podcast, but the guy literally uh, 30 minutes ago said, um, the highlight of my $150,000 ground mount and three Tesla power walls is my span and blows my mind, right? Mm -hmm. It's the highlight. Mm -hmm. And then he said in the end of the review, anyone installing solar on their home, this should almost be a requirement to have one of these. And um, <clears throat> it's just, you know, it's just such a, a sunk opportunity, a sunk, you know, if, if you're not even offering it to your customer, if you're not, because you're not educated on it. You yeah, know? no, 100%. And then, in fact, maybe we can put that review up on the screen, editor, <laughs> yeah. when, whenever we get to, to around to all this, if you could put that review up on the screen for folks to take a look at. But no, that's absolutely right. I mean, you know, do your homework. I mean, go look, look at the solar surge channel. We, we cover this, this category of product. And speaking mm -hmm. of, because I know you're very active on social mm -hmm. media as well. You had me on your podcast. Mm -hmm. Where can folks find you and follow you if they want to uh, keep up with you? On definitely uh youtube.com uh, forward slash good faith energy that's our youtube channel uh we push out a lot of content educational content similar to yours um you know we're still a beginner you know we're, we're toddler stage um but um you know would love to have um, people following us we we're on podcast thinking green with muhammad abdallah um, thank you again for being on that with me. It was a great dynamic conversation. I think a lot of value for people that are watching it on the web. Yeah, thanks again for having me. Really uh, enjoyed that. Of course, that. man. Um, uh, on Instagram, Facebook, we're all on the usuals. Um, so yeah, I would say, you know, Solar Surge, that's your number one source for education. <laughs> Good Faith Energy, that's your number two source. Um, we're both, I think, pushing out very creative content with topics that are interesting to people. And I think we're also explaining complicated, you know, uh, you know, I would say complicated terms or complicated, you know, just nuances in the industry in simple ways. Uh, and I think that that's what ends up getting you, you know, earning those relationships in the long run. Great. Yeah. Well, folks, Mohammed Abdallah, CEO of Good Faith Energy in Dallas, Texas. Uh, Mo, thank you so much thank for you, joining us. Yeah, man, thanks for having me. Keep doing a great job, man. I love your love your channel. Thanks again. We'll Absolutely. see you soon.